Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I have a mini episode just for you. Today's mini episode is all about the validity of telehealth evaluation. So I want to start this off by giving a disclaimer. I do telehealth evaluation. So I have a bias towards saying, yes, they are absolutely valid and reliable and you can get clear information. So keeping that in mind as you listen to this episode, and I'm also going to let you know that I've done a ton of research. I also have been able to see firsthand as a clinician doing in-person evaluations versus telehealth evaluations, and I'm going to break that all down for you so you can make an informed decision or your family if a telehealth evaluation is the route you want to go. Because that's the thing over here. There is no right or wrong. It's ultimately you informing yourself and then using your expertise in your child to make the best decision for your child and for your family, because that is really important. So first off, I want to talk about what is a telehealth evaluation. Some of you guys might not even realize what is possible. So when the pandemic hit, obviously in early 2020, what happened is clinics across the country had wait lists for autism evaluations. And I was on my clinical internship at the time and healthcare systems had to learn how to pivot. And it was really fascinating because for the most part, prior to the pandemic, there wasn't a lot of access to do any mental health treatment over telehealth. And we had to pivot in particular for autism diagnostic evaluations. We had to pivot because families were already waiting months and months and months. I mean, usually a lot of the clinics I worked in were looking at like six to 12 month long wait list. And so then waiting around to see when the pandemic was going to quote unquote clear, when things were going to open back up was, was just not feasible. The other thing that was coming into play is there is the gold standard tool. It's called the ADOS, the Autism Diagnostic Observation Schedule. And pretty much the majority of clinics use the ADOS. The authors of the ADOS were saying, no, you can't use this with masks. That that affects the ability to get an accurate assessment, which honestly was interesting. I saw their hesitation. It made a lot of sense. I will say, as I kept practicing, I was with an academic medical center. I did end up seeing kids in the clinic and I would often wear a mask, they wouldn't, but even sometimes older kids, they would be wearing a mask. And I still felt for the most part, I was able to get a good evaluation if it was autism or not, because that's the thing. There's two different parts of an evaluation. There's the testing itself and what do those data say, but then there's the clinical opinion or clinical impression from the clinician. And so while the ADOS itself might not have been valid in terms of scoring, I still could get a really clear clinical impression. Anyway, I digress on that point. So basically all these clinics across the country started pivoting. Mental health as a whole went to telehealth and we started asking ourselves, well, how can we do this over telehealth? And so different researchers started to also develop different assessments. Some of them were already in the works. For example, one called Tele-ASDPs. It's developed out of Vanderbilt. It's one I absolutely love and use in my clinical practice for young kids all the time. They had already started to develop this measure because what they realized is that families in rural Tennessee weren't able to drive into Nashville. And so they wanted to increase access that way. But basically they pushed out a training and was like, 
everyone can start using this during the pandemic. The ADOS creator also made some modifications to be able to do it over telehealth. There were all these different assessments coming out. And ultimately, what we realized is that telehealth assessments can be done. There now are data to support that they are valid and reliable. And I personally find comparing my clinical experience I don't find any more challenge over telehealth of being able to determine does a child have autism or not. There are, of course, some limitations that ultimately come into play, but I think overall the benefits greatly outweigh the costs. And so what that means for you is you may not have to go into a clinic in order to have your child assessed. You can look in your state. So you still have to have someone licensed in your state, but it could be anywhere across the state. They can actually evaluate your child over something like Zoom. That's what I personally use. Or there is now this psychology compact called SciPack, and this is what I do and how I can practice in so many states. So I'm licensed and located in the state of Pennsylvania, but basically all these states came together that said, hey, if you're licensed in one of these states, you can practice in all of these other states as well. So looking for providers that offer telehealth evaluations, you might be able to find shorter wait lists as a result of that because it's opening up the capacity of the number of providers. So that's something to keep in mind. What I have found to be really big benefits of a telehealth evaluation is a lot of times, particularly for young kids, but also like kids with anxiety, for example, or kids that just socially don't warm up as quickly, that being able to interact with familiar people in familiar environments greatly helps them. Sometimes what would happen in the clinic, we'd have kids that just were so anxious, whether it was interacting with someone unfamiliar or being in an unfamiliar setting, you've changed their routine. That would really throw them off. And in some ways that that was clinical information, but in other ways it complicated the evaluation. So I love this idea of being able to ultimately have the child interacting with you. And how we do that is in a completely play-based fashion. So most of these assessments are you and your child interacting together. And then the clinician is coaching you through, hey, can you try this? Why don't you switch to the next activity? And they're observing to your child, it feels like play for them, which I actually love because then it's very naturalistic. Now with older kids, and as we move into teens, the clinician is directly interacting with your child more. So you still might have that element of the unfamiliar person, but they're in a familiar and comfortable setting. Of course, there's downsides to this, that they might not sit in front of the computer. For young kids, I ask as much as possible to have another adult there who can use the phone and follow the interaction around. But there are ways that we're able to set this up. The other thing is usually part of an evaluation, we're doing clinical interviewing. That absolutely can be done over telehealth, where we're asking parents about history and symptoms and all of that. Often we are getting questionnaires from you as the parent, maybe potentially interventionists, teachers, all of that. We can do that over telehealth. There's actually ways just to email it now, and it's so incredibly seamless. And then, like I said, the observational part used to be the ADOS. Well, now we have many adapted measures to be able to do this in a home-based setting, in a really play-based way, in a naturalistic way. But ultimately, at the end of the day, 
as a clinician myself, I use all these tools to gather data, but I'm still making my clinical impression and clinical opinion. So no one measure is going to make or break an assessment for me. And I think for providers that really know autism, this is, I, I know this is true. Sometimes what happens is there are some people who are less familiar with autism, maybe newer to the field that are like using those measures as their end all be all, and they might not feel as comfortable in a telehealth setting. But ultimately what I'm looking at when I'm having your child play is what symptoms of autism are coming up. I'm also using your report as a parent to be able to say, hey, we have what we call congruence there. Or if we have incongruence as well, we can dive into that. It could be different reasons. Incongruence meaning Maybe parent reported something and something wasn't observed by the clinician. That's incongruence or congruence is saying both parent reported it and it was observed. And then sometimes the opposite happens as clinicians, we observe it and the parent didn't report it. But those are things that we absolutely can explore. One unique element of my practice is I actually then have parents send me videos. I say, hey, I want to see other things. So feel free to send me the videos of how your child typically is. Short little clips. I'll watch that. Or if a parent is reporting something and I don't observe it, I actually mentioned that. Hey, I didn't notice your child lapping today, but I know you said they do it a lot. Would you be able to get me a video of that? And parents are always like, oh yeah, totally. And they they like that because they also recognize that it's this more comprehensive approach. And then the last piece usually of an assessment is some sort of developmental or intellectual testing, understanding your child's skills and their their quote unquote functioning level. And there are different ways we can do that. We have started to see measures be validated for use in telehealth as well. So overall, just to wrap this up, yes, telehealth evaluations are valid. They are reliable. I think there could be the potential that for a small set of individuals where maybe the clinician isn't able to make a diagnostic determination. But y'all, I had that happen in in-person sessions too. And usually the cases where there are many symptoms of autism, but it hasn't quite reached diagnostic threshold yet. And so we say we can't confirm autism and we can't rule it out. And so a lot of times then you're coming back six months later. And so any clinician that's doing that is going to work with you of like, does it seem related to telehealth? And do you need to prioritize getting an in-person evaluation for the reevaluation? Or is it, we just need more time for symptoms to unfold. The other thing from different research studies too, is that parents report that this process usually is easy. It usually is getting them seen sooner and that they feel like it is valid and reliable, meaning that the clinician got a good picture of their child. So Keep in mind that telehealth evaluations might be a way for your child to be able to be assessed sooner. If you're wondering about my specific services, always in the show notes, I put a link for a free consult call. I can practice currently in 36 states doing these telehealth evaluations, and I will see kids right now up to age 12, although I am looking to, over time, expand that age range as my practice builds. 
And if you have any questions, I also linked my email. You're welcome to email me and ask different questions. Keeping in mind with my evaluations, I'm not in network with any insurance provider. So meaning you will pay for the evaluation out of pocket. We can talk about potential arrangements. You might be able to get reimbursed through your insurance, or maybe you can use like an HSA or FSA card but I do have payment plans available. And currently, and this is something that's of really high value to me, waitlist is short. I really try to get kids in within a month to two months at the maximum. And my goal is to stay that way. So hopefully you don't listen to this podcast later and I haven't been able to maintain it, but I am trying my absolute best to maintain that standard because I know when you're ready for answers, you want answers now. You don't want to have to wait six plus months in order to get that clarity for your child and for your family. Either way, just always know this, this podcast is meant to provide free information for you. And what I want you to take from this episode is not that you have to come see me, although I'd love to explore that as an option and potentially work with your family, but that Telehealth evaluations generally are really effective. They're valid. They're reliable. The one caveat that I would say is making sure you are working with a provider that has a lot of experience working with autistic children and diagnosing autistic children. The more experience that they have in the field, I think generally speaking, the more comfortable they're going to also be with doing telehealth evaluations for autism. All right, y'all. That's a wrap. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye, y'all, and I'll see you soon.